Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 189 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today you are joining us for healthy habits during high stress or in the case of you listening real time during this pandemic. In today's episode, we will go through barriers to making long-term healthy habit change, and we'll also discuss solutions, including shifts in ritual and patterns, and really just how to establish routine, even within the ever-shifting and the unknown and unprecedented times that we are finding ourselves in. Yes, we are absolutely finding ourselves and our clients in that space of transition of routine with shifts of schedules. You know, some have resolutions or end dates or transition plans. Some have no known plans and are accepting the stay at home as the norm. And it seems to be the time that we want to all ensure, regardless of what's happening with our workspace, our childcare, all the moving pieces that we are all out of the shock mode and into an action mode of wellness care. And that all comes with establishing habits. So in episode 184, we really connected the HPA axis response of chronic stress or anxiety with metabolic health. We connected in that episode the influence of stress-reducing strategies. We incorporated the influence of mantra and, you know, the mental practice of gratitude and release. We talked about the importance of sleep and movement. And then we dug into some of the influences of chronic stress on the body. Uh, We connected the gut, we connected the mental space and hormones and cortisol and metabolism. So if you want to know why stress matters and in light of current situation, check out episode 184. But today we're going to start making it real and talk about how to establish habits to kind of break through that stress hold and get yourself back into an action-filled space. Before we do that, let's have a word with our sponsor opener, Further Food. So Further Food makes the highest quality collagen, gelatin, and health food tonics. And we love that their collagen and gelatin are grass-fed, pasture-raised, wild-caught in the case of their cod collagen, non-GMO, hormone-free, and antibiotic-free. And Allie and I have both transitioned to exclusively using their collagen and gelatin in our own households. I absolutely love the versatility of collagen that you can add it to a hot or a cold beverage. I'm now doing more iced lattes or iced tea lattes that can be blended with cold collagen coffee yes. over here. Cold brew with <laughs> collagen. Yep. Um, and we can also blend the collagen into a smoothie coffee or tea in the mornings. Really great way to add gut and connective tissue support, ramp up your protein in baked goods. And then their gelatin works well for hot beverages that will be served hot as well as gelatin gummies, which is a really fun way to 
get kiddos on board with a gut and immune supporting snack and kind of involve them in the process. We also use it in baking and that can add a really nice welcomed chew like in Allie's anti-anxiety diet cookbook, chocolate chip cookies. Um, you can also use it for thickening a sauce and beyond. So beyond the gut support, collagen and gelatin are going to be supportive of hair, skin, and nail health, and can actually reduce the appearance of cellulite. That's a big selling point, I think, for us personally and Just a, a lot of listeners. Yeah. Um, and support healthy bones and joints. We spent an entire podcast episode 144 doing a deep dive on why we love collagen and other applications. So definitely check that out and head on over to furtherfood.com. Use the code Allie Miller RD at checkout for savings and to let them know you heard about their products on our podcast. All right. So we definitely did, as I mentioned, a deep dive of the hypothalamus and pituitary and adrenals, um, that HPA access in episode 184. And that was the first episode actually that we dug into really the physiology of the hypothalamus and pituitary. Usually we only obsess on the adrenals <laughs> and we've heard such awesome outcomes from y'all from our adrenal rehab program that a lot of you participated in, in April. And the last update, as far as programs I want to share is that the virtual ketosis program date has been bumped forward. We will be launching this 12-week food as medicine virtual ketosis class on May 27th, so a couple weeks from now. And we're super excited for this to be a transition tool for you, a great way to reclaim healthy habits and ensure that you're in an action mode. As I mentioned, even though all these moving pieces are happening, this is the time to claim action and really frame what you want your routines and rituals to look like. Awesome. So definitely we'll link all of those references and resources for you guys. And yeah, we've been hearing in a lot of our, our clients and just podcast listeners that they've gone one of two ways with this pandemic where they're totally off the rails and out of their habits, or they've really drilled down and, and are actually having success. But I think either end of the spectrum is, is normal for sure. Um, and it's also normal to see, you know, your goals and your macros an intake shift with season, both season like the weather, but also season of just what's going on in your life. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when we're looking at this, there's a couple other episodes to kind of create the frame space of, you know, am I on track? Am I having a cheat day? <laughs> Is this right or wrong? And uh, check out also beyond episode 184 that I mentioned episode 56 on rebounding your body from trauma, because there are a lot of those physiological processes. So if you have gained weight over this process, a lot of it might be more hormonal, more stress induced. And you know, the biggest thing that we don't have room for in this space is shame or negative thoughts. We talked about a couple weeks ago that impact on the nocebo effect, right? How negative thoughts can harm you. Um, so we want to ensure that we open this in a space that feels empowering um, if you're curious on what your eating habits are, you know, deemed as we also have a helpful episode 132, getting back on track after a cheat day. And that's a really good reference for you. If you're feeling like, am I overindulging or not? But I, I totally agree with you, Becky, you know, 
you right now with your pregnancy, me with my elevated epinephrine, um, which I was sharing a couple weeks ago on my Instagram stories, both of us are kind of eating more frequently than normal, um, fasting a little bit less, calorie restricting a little bit less and lightening up. Um, I'm still in, you know, a tighter state of ketosis that like 1.5 phase in general, but overall I've just kind of liberated my grasp on my diet control because I'm recognizing the higher stress is not a season for me to also be in a calorie restricted state. So this means, well, and also the fact that you've moved to Austin yeah. and you know, I'm gaining like, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I haven't gained any weight, but I just joke about like the sympathy pregnancy yeah. best friend weight. <laughs> yeah. I'm making a lot of treats and sharing them. So are you. Yeah. So. That's what I was going to say. So this might look like the mango cake that Becky made last week, which we'll be sure. I'm sure we'll end up on the blog at some mm-hmm. point. The apple crisp that I made on Sunday for dinner when y'all came over, um, you know, y'all know that I believe in a mindful indulgence. Yeah. And, and let's define that Allie, how a mindful indulgence is different than what we would reference. And and I don't like that word, but a cheat day. Um, how are those two different? What are the the big distinctions that you would make? Yeah. I I hate the word cheat day. So even though we have that on an, an episode, it's kind of more clickbait, I suppose. Um, I think that the word, the concept of a cheat day, it creates this conditioning in the mind and body, uh, to believe that, eating food or your consumption pattern or whatever your choice was is devious or bad. And I think human nature, we tend to sometimes crave deviant behavior. So it's better to have a more results oriented, qualitative relationship with your diet. And if you're using food as medicine, you know, you want to think through your conscious consumption of whatever you are craving. It might be a higher day in carbs or calories. Um, but are you enjoying the process where there are harmful or negative ramifications on your body or your system or your mood or your sleep? Um, and you want to find a way ultimately that you can make harmony with your body and satisfy your cravings while still honoring and respecting it. So what I mean by this is if you're indulging in it's Cinco de Mayo as we record this, if you're indulging in Mexican food and you just say, screw it, I'm going to eat whatever. And you feel shitty after having gluten and fried foods and you're dealing with abdominal bloating or anxiety that evening when you're trying to go to sleep because of the frozen margarita or joint pain, um, you know, and you're waking up feeling crappy then give that up because that's just keeping your body more handicapped or broken or, or hurt. Um, you're not really freeing yourself. And that's kind of my whole concept of food freedom, right? We we really want to look for something that's an indulgence that both tastes and feels good. And really, as long as it starts with solid whole food ingredients, that's an absolutely reasonable opportunity. Totally. And, and that's, you know, worth exploring within yourself, what things are kind of worth it and what might not be, or what gives you that feedback of your body. Like for me right now, I might be having more carbs, but I'm not, I haven't touched gluten and don't plan to this whole pregnancy. It just doesn't sound appealing to feel, you know, puffy and inflamed and have joint pain and GI distress and constipation when I'm already dealing with stuff like that. So really listening to the feedback of your body of what an indulgence for you can be and, and what can work. And we've got tons of really good recipes over on the blog and I'll continue. I'm sure supporting you guys as I'm baking like weekly right now with new recipes <laughs> that are still right. Nourishing yes. to your body and, and might even have yep. food as medicine benefits. Like, totally. you know, we did a lot of ginger in the uh, apple ginger crumble. And then I was talking about how I thought about making it grain free, but I kept the oats cause Avena sativa and the oats help with, you know, um, 
galactolog or milk production, if we're talking about that being as like a postpartum nourishing dish to make for someone as they get out of the hospital. So there's always, you know, a food is medicine strategy. And I think that the biggest thing is being open to listening to your body. We talked about how Becky's doing more dairy now too, right? And maybe in the past it might've been restricted both because of the principles of the anti-anxiety diet or the hormonal influence. But when you're growing a baby, you do demand more calcium. And if you're feeling good with it, then that's probably an intuitive need. And you need to listen to that versus an influencer or a book or a program. It's always kind of yourself as the greatest compass. It's actually kind of wild how much more dairy I'm doing and feeling completely fine with like really no skin or GI influence. So very remarkable kind of how the body shifts. And, and I think, you know, cravings are sometimes to be listened to. Um, so let's get into it. I want to frame this just within the timing of kind of what's going on currently and just discuss the importance of routine. And I think this is something we've been talking about in clinic a lot, which, you know, what gets lost with um, ritual when you get out of your routine, you might also lose some of your rituals. So let's distinguish between those and um, talk about routine and ritual a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you think of all of the things that you did pre-quarantine or pre-shelter in space on a typical workday, from the micro things like applying your lipstick or mascara to the literally walk from your car to the office, <laughs> the route you took, um, the act of passing through a coworker's desk. Um, there's so many steps, especially we're hearing now people have 90 plus minutes, some of them, you know, from their transportation time and their transit time that now is liberated. But we have to be fair to say that transitions aid in us marking through the day. Like they're like these little checkboxes boxes and they give our brain that like reassurance of like, do, 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 there's Doug in his chair, yeah. you know, and you kind of go through your process and you're checking off boxes. Totally. And, and like you said, aiding and marking the day, I think is really important. And, and without some of these transitions, we can see more boredom or, or boredom eating and reaching for food to fill that space or fill that void. Totally. And I think that even like pre-pandemic, a lot of people use food as a transition. I remember when I was a, a dietitian working for a physician's clinic, like I really enjoyed my 3 p.m. snack. <laughs> like it was like a huge ritual for me of like just just shutting down because I'd actually sometimes we'd eat my, our lunch in the break room with the other coworkers, but the three o'clock snack was like my time. And it was my one breakup in the day where I would actually sit outside under this tree and I would have my three o'clock snack and whatever I packed in my lunch was leftovers or didn't matter, but I had to have a really conscious, like harmony and enjoyable experience for my three o'clock reset snack. And I think of the same thing of like people that, you know, get their Starbucks at 10 AM mm -hmm. or whatever it is to break up a meeting. And, and I know that personally, when I transitioned to private practice and then to, you know, working from home, I actually tend to snack less maybe because I'm like super type A and I get loaded in projects and I, I just, if Brady Miller didn't feed me half the time, yeah. I, I probably would eat a lot less, but I've seen on a clinical level with, with patients, a lot of people are saying their fasting routine is a lot more difficult because like they would fast in the morning 
And again, usually they'd get dressed, they'd kind of get their kids off, they had all these check boxes, and now they have this like time where they're like waiting for meetings to get going or, or whatnot. Um, and that can create a, you know, impact as far as if you're obsessing or thinking about food or white knuckling it more, that can actually create physiological hunger. And then that starts to distress willpower when you're available to just stare at the pantry all day. Yep open the fridge every time you walk by it yeah for sure yeah yep. but you know to be fair when we're talking about fasting i do want to call out that that might be intuitive so it might be totally reasonable if you're someone that did really well with intermittent fasting and now you're working from home and you have a different routine and you're missing some of those big transition timestamps. if you're feeling signals of hunger you guys know that we always say don't white knuckle it um, this could be intuitive because if you are under a state of high stress or anxiety it could actually be more harmful that could be kind of like the um you know whatever on the iceberg the what's the thing the tip over the the tip of the iceberg no it's like the thing that kicks it into kicks it over straw that breaks the camel's back straw that breaks i was gonna say needle and haystack i knew there's something with straw or hay (laughs) and my mind just was not getting there totally yes that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back um because when you're in chronic stress mode you're often putting out high epinephrine and you're often depleting your leptin and when your leptin is depressed remember that's one of those primary regulatory hormones so then that can throw off your HPA axis. In general, I'm really recommending during this time, unless it feels right, to stick with like a 12 hour and not exceeding a 14 hour window without food until you really are feeling grounded and mentally sound again. Yeah, I think it's really good to call out just that intuitive element of of shifting from that tight rigidity of the fast if your body's feeling more wired on a stress response, you're feeling more on edge, you're feeling more anxious and you're getting hunger signals. Um, and it's so important to know, you know, when transitions become a routine is, is really when they bring comfort. So for many of us, I think, you know, a big reason we're feeling lost of at this time is we're missing those stamps and transitional pieces of the day. Oh, totally. And I feel like raising a toddler has never made me more mindful of transition. Mm -hmm. Um, Like transition is a huge driver of anxiety when new, you know, like a new job for an adult or a transition of anything new, I guess, suppose, but, but really expressed in children. And so I've found with Stella, who's almost four, you know, it works really well for us to create an anticipation or a ritual to lead a transition. So like, we're really into the timer, like, okay, I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. And when that timer goes off, so she's able to mentally kind of associate and and, and learn like, okay, something's going to change. Whatever I'm, you know, playing with right now, toggling, you know, is going to need to shift. And I'm going to need to either put on my shoes or go outside or get ready to go upstairs. But I I think that when we're talking about in the constructs of family, because I I think that this is an important conversation of also creating and harnessing habits for your whole household, you know, not just your own personal well care. But I was looking at research on routine and ritual, and I just want to share some things that I thought were interesting. There was a book um, called Family Routines and Rituals, A Context for Development in the Lives of Young Children, Infants and Young Children. 
And um, the poll quote that I thought was really interesting is, when a family's routine is disrupted, it's considered a hassle. Yet when a family's ritual is disrupted, it's considered a threat to cohesion. And I think that that's a really interesting element. Like if we think of that whole idea of how we can control our reaction to the environment, we can't necessarily change our environment. I think that that's kind of how we can insert ritual um, in opposed to when routine gets shaken up. And when you create rituals within your household, like whether it's, you know, Friday movie night or something like that, kiddos have something to really look forward to. They're really into time stamping. And, and when a ritual becomes a regular basis, this helps them to kind of ground and regulate their emotions during the week. They have something to help to cope with stressors. They have something that's a constant and something to look forward to. And I think honestly, it's the same for, for me personally. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Byron and I do a weekly date night. And right now it's a little disrupted because of yeah, getting our website <laughs> launched um, and obviously not being able to go to a restaurant, but like that ritual of picking up food, going to a park, getting out of the house, changing up, you know, something shaking up in our routine and having that um, timestamp of, of time together, I think is really nice and special. Um, so in a sense, these rituals are part of the routine that's special or the part that we look forward to that is unique and a little bit different from, from kind of the day to day. So let's talk about rituals that you are practicing in your home and, and how this can be used to establish a healthy habit. Yeah. So I would kind of distinguish the difference of ritual and routine in a, a simple way, like how Becky just said, that's a great example. Like it's routine for her and Byron to eat dinner it's ritual to pause and take a date night. And so even if they can't go out, they can still practice the ritual of maybe listening to music during the dinner or keeping their phones away or right. So there's like a ritual environment of maybe you play different music. Um, so it's something that for an individual can say I'm special. I mean, that's just what I'm kind of phrasing it as. Like it's something that it personifies or it makes it something unique um, element of the routine. Um, or for your family or household, it's stating our family is special. This is something that we do together. Again, that cohesion element. Um, so it's a deeper connected emotional intelligence when you're pulling in ritual into a routine. And it, it can have symbolic meaning. It can have you know emotional ties and attributes. And it can also be just something that's fun. Like, so one of my examples of routine and ritual is, um, I, well, back in the pre quarantine days, I would drive to and go to a yoga class twice a week. And the ritual was that I would get to play Beyonce on the way back or some really empowering female music because when I'm like sweaty, there's just the, and I'm in my car by myself without my toddler or my husband, I get to play my like female power music. And, and that's something that I know every time I work out and I drive to the class, I'm going to do that. And so it was a ritual I was missing because there were like nine, 10 days that I didn't even drive a car, maybe more <laughs> in these windows, especially as I'm a non-masker. Um, and so, you know, I've created now space where I'm like, okay, I need to find a time to still participate in that ritual because that helps me with my identity of power female woman. And it has a deep resonation in the way that I take on the day and the week. Totally. And, and might be something you don't even realize is, is lost until you're kind of going through like, what did I do before this? Yeah. Yeah. So another couple ones that you can think about with your family is like an afternoon walk. Um, so again, how you could turn that into a, a ritual versus just a routine. 
the afternoon walk would be like the action and then layering in a little bit special of like, what do you do during the walk? Do you engage your children to go on a nature hunt every Thursday or a scavenger hunt? Or do you play I spy while you walk? Or do you tell a building story? What's that called, Becky, that we keep doing with Stella? Uh, Well, (laughs) is there a name for it? I don't know. It's not like ad libs. It's like, basically we're on this kick where she really wants stories told her all the time. So we'll be like, we'll each tell a sentence. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what that's called, but but it's collabor- yeah. collaborative storytelling, yeah. I suppose. It makes for some interesting stories that end very abruptly sometimes when she's like, okay, I'm moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sick of this. Yes, yes. <laughs> Enough about nervous Mabel the kitten or whatnot. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, so yeah, and then sleep, I think, is one of my most looking forward to rituals. And I don't know if it's just because I'm someone who loves sleep, but it's the idea of like, I, I have my eye mask on, I rub on my everyday oil, which is so dreamy. I take my GI lining, my relax and regulate. I then take my probiotics. I have like my flow. And recently I've been obsessed with the incorporation of sleep support. And again, that sounds just like a supplement, but to me, it feels like a ritual because it sits on my nightstand. And when I like open up that lid, it's like this disconnect. I'm like basically saying, goodbye world. I'm going to check out for eight hours. And it's like a very deep dive. I'm like giving myself permission to disconnect. And so there is like a qualitative element. I don't really feel that. I mean, I take other supplements that give me different mood influence, but there's something about sleep support that just like feels like so special. I don't know. You get to check out. That that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, sometimes some of these rituals, especially with again, routine disrupted, it takes some creativity. So maybe, you know, you're in a place of, of establishing new rituals or thinking about what you can do within the current constructs of, of your day to day. Um, an example would be, we just had some fun establishing a new ritual for May day, which forgive my ignorance. I don't really know the significance of that day. I know that when I was growing up, in like Waldorf schooling, we'd go to this like hippy dippy friends party every year. And I was like, Oh, we should do that. We should, um, make a maypole. And our house right now happens to have an old ham radio tower, um, <laughs> that I'm like dying to take down, but maybe I won't now that we've got this ritual. Um, so on Friday, May 1st, which is May day, we, dressed all in white, like a a new beginnings, welcoming of spring color. And we wrapped streamers around the maypole. And I really have no idea what it signifies other than a new beginning and and bringing in spring. So hopefully no listeners tell me that it means something. Celebration of spring. Yeah. yeah, Celebration of spring. We were calling it, we were making it a little bit deeper of a dive because (laughs) my Stella, my sweet Stella was like, is the bad season over? The bad I, I forget what oh, because I think we got the email that she was going back to mm-hmm. school on the eighteenth of May, um, because I'm an essential worker and uh that's debatable. We'll figure out that part. If their teachers are wearing masks, I'm not sending my daughter back to school. I feel like that doesn't feel like a safe place. But anyway, I um was sharing with her that she could go back to school and she was like, is the bad season over? And so we've been kind of in this lens of like calling this the great awakening. And I think that that's a really great shift of focus. Um, you know, you can still be frustrated with the scenario. You can still be frustrated with policymakers or whatnot, but off you don't want to allow your health to take the back seat, and you don't want your health to be burdened by some poor policy and 
process that we're in right now. So, you know, I think that if we're thinking of ritual and routine, bringing the focus into healthy habits, this is maybe the time that you need to imprint for your household, swap up salad Sundays or, you know, something that's fun for the household that incorporates food as medicine and optimal nutrition. And then layering in the non-food rituals can help to break up your day and create that structure that you crave or that kind of thing that you look forward to that keeps you from that white knuckling obsessing about being at home and eating. Yep. Totally. And, and food can be ritual. It's just, you know, not on a daily or even every single time you open the fridge right. <laughs> basis. So they can be a really fun well t- way to kind of self-indulge, celebrate the self, celebrate family and to establish connection with your household members and, and just break out of that boredom a little bit. Um, let's talk about just the dual hit of what happens when we're both anxious and bored. Yeah. I I mean, I I think that, you know, we've talked about how stressed spelt backwards says spells desserts and whether that's coincidental or not. Um, it's just kind of a cute punny thing, but we do know that when we're under stress that the body dumps glucose and that also cortisol, the primary stress hormone increases gluconeogenesis or blood sugar. So we're having a big blood sugar spike, which often drives a blood sugar crash under a stress or anxiety response. And that's what keeps us kind of seeking then that, that pick me up from that hypoglycemic dip potentially. And yeah, when we're bored and we don't have that structure to feel empowered or, you know, in control, then we're going to be spending more time feeling potentially, you know, what I'm kind of seeing is a little bit of like a a victim mentality or resistance to routine, like, oh, well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, so we'll just kind of wait it out. But again, I really feel like this is the time when we can rewrite our script and we can use this perspective to have a time to be more focused on nourishment and what we want our new reality to be. So when I'm kind of framing with the lens of this being quote unquote, the great awakening, We've all been gifted a slowdown, which, you know, I, I, I'm not sure would happen in any other snapshot of time. And this allows us the ability to really determine what we do with our most valued resource, which is our time and our energy. And we have the ability to empower ourselves with diet and acknowledge that, you know, our choices that help with supporting a mellow mood, aid in anti-anxiety support, support brain chemistry can also support metabolic health. And that's really important. We're seeing more and more when we're looking at the research on this pandemic. Um, and we're seeing that 94% of those that are hospitalized have comorbidities, including obesity, diabetes, hypertension, you know, this double-edged sword of this is not the time to eat foods that would hinder our our metabolic system that would hinder our immune system and that are going to hinder our mood and our regulation of anxiety. Because otherwise we really get deep into that chicken and egg relationship of shame, guilt, and going back for it again. Um, you know, this is not the time that is, has been forced upon our, our marketing messaging, which is we, we should, sorry if this sounds harsh, but, but we should just Netflix and chill through this, right? Like we should just, just stay home, just keep watching your programs and numb out. And it's okay if you eat anything. 
I'm sorry, I really believe strongly that this is the time that we proactively support optimal health through nutrition, movement, and mindfulness. And we create and insert these practices at this time that we claim. So when things do get busy again, when things do open up slowly, steadily, as they will, we have our artillery and our tool belt set. So what's your ritual of sun time, right? We're continuing to see the benefits of vitamin D. What's your ritual of movement? What's your ritual of getting into an anti-inflammatory, low-glycemic diet. Totally. It's one thing to dip into the comfort food if this was like a week-long lockdown, but for many of us going on six, eight weeks plus now, it's it's time to turn it around for sure. Um, And I think being proactive in, in that wellness ritual, you know, that also is going to be supportive of immune health is, is likely going to have you feeling more empowered, less victimized, and ultimately less anxious as you continue to make more health supporting goals and know that you're at least doing something proactive. Even if you're not as productive in your day-to-day of your work, you're at least doing something productive for your body and for your family's wellness. Right. And I think that that's really important because we've talked about how you put off this vibration in your household. And so when you feel empowered, like I'm doing something to manifest wellness in my household, I'm doing something to to build robust microbiome in my household. I'm doing something to ensure that our innate immune systems are optimized. You then are layering in empowerment versus the hands off the wheel victimization, which creates depression, anxiety, and, and, and loss of control. And, and then you're not living in your best self and you're not experiencing true quality of life. Totally. So let's dig in a little bit on health supporting goals. And maybe before we do that, um, just identifying a little bit around the process of change and and kind of the stages there so that listeners can identify what phase they're in. Yeah. So, you know, if, if we're looking for change there and and we're in the active stage, right? So this isn't the contemplation, pre-contemplation elements, because I think a lot of people for going back there would be in the contemplation or pre-contemplation of like, ah, I probably should do something about this. Mm -hmm. I I might not be going back to work in the next six weeks. I probably need to, I've talked to so many clients where they're like, I've stopped working off the kitchen table and I found a desk (laughs) and I've created a space. So it's like, exactly. As you're building your office, as you're building this shift, what are you? in an action mode. And so we think of immediate preventative and um, then the long-term kind of emotional level of change. So the immediate tends to be, especially let's think in the sense of diet, how about? So in the immediate we're looking at the change of what are you putting in your mouth? You open the fridge, what are you choosing? I'm choosing a cheese stick and an apple, or the immediate is, you know, I put down the bag of chips after I grabbed a handful and rolled it up and put it away. So there's those immediate decisions. Preventative would be modifying your environment. So maybe it's, I've moved the chips to the top shelf, um, or I've created a space for snacks for my husband and asked him to keep them in this bin or this, this part of the pantry that I don't have to open to look at so that I have a modified environment and my immediate choice is a little bit easier. I don't have as much of that white knuckle or preventative could be, I've created an opportunity of a fridge with pre-cut non-starchy vegetables. So I have my bell pepper slices. I have, um, a pre-made batch. I'm, I'm batch cooking. And so I have all the tools I need to continue to nourish my body. 
And then that third phase, emotional, is when we really kind of dig deep in the underlying mechanisms of the why behind our behavior or the why behind the need for change. And this is what takes you from doing like a whole 30 and like being in that doot, doot, doot from, from the immediate to the preventative into making the whole 30 your lifestyle. And I don't want to use that marketing term, but I'm just staying in the sense of I've seen so many people do a whole 30 and they're like, I'm quote unquote air quotes on whole 30. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, can't wait for the after whole 30, after whole 30 meal plan, pizza and beer. It's like, that's not how it should work. We should go from immediate to preventative to how do I feel when I'm eating more paleo? How do I feel grain free? What it, when I crave that ice cream and I consume it, am I able to consume a reasonable portion and still feel well and balanced? Or am I binging and then I'm, I'm having inter, interference um, in my sleep and I'm crashing in the middle of the day or I'm hangry the following day? So we start to have these introspe- introspective reward mechanisms, conversations with ourselves for a, a deeper dive of, of exploration, if you will. Okay, so let's shift gears into commitment and manifesting and go into maybe some goal setting so listeners can follow along and set some mind, body, and nourishment goals. Yeah, so, you know, if we're getting ourselves out of that resistance, which I think is an important piece to acknowledge if we were having that, (laughs) and we forgive ourselves for that and we get into action mode. Um, we want to, again, use this lens of this being, this gift. This this could be viewed as the great, the great awakening. And what you make of this pause or slowdown is yours to, to grab. So if mind, body, nourishment are our three categories, the mind goals might be that I want to allow my brain less time. <laughs> this is kind of laughable, I guess, during this time because everything's on computers now. But... I have found that still with the pace being slower for whatever reason, I am on my phone less. Um, So that could be a mind related goal is I'm going to plug my phone in, you know, at 7 p.m. uh, or 6 p.m. Shoot. Once dinner routine starts so that I'm present with my household and family, I'm not checking my Instagram feed. I'm not responding to an email or texting a friend. And then I give myself another 20 minutes once the kids are down from, you know, nine until 930 to do my scroll hole or whatever it is to release. And then blue light is off. Or mind could be I'm committing to that extra 90 minutes again that maybe we gained back in transit time. Maybe I'm still waking up at the same time in the morning and I'm incorporating meditation for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an outdoor walk so that my pineal gland can get the bright daylight and that sets my shift of my circadian rhythm and I get better melatonin production in the evening. Or maybe it's that I'm giving my mind the gift of sleep and I'm committing to a full eight hours and I'm allowing myself to sleep in and not trying to squeeze too much in. So take some time to reflect on your brain space and mental burnout and emotions and what's playing a, a positive role and what parts you know you want to kind of manifest or claim before things go back to quote unquote high demand, go, go, go. In, in the body space, I think a huge thing that, that I've personally experienced is more walking outside. I think because we aren't going out to dinner at all or we don't have evening plans, we have tightened up. I mean, since we have not had a dog in our household, the evening walk 
um, routine had really reduced. And now that Stella's like just almost too big for a stroller, we're in that weird transitional period. But since shelter in place, Brady and I have gotten 10,000 steps every single day. And yes, that's a little different exercise than maybe some of my more, you know, body pump type stuff that I would do with bar method, but I've stayed true to the yoga and more of the walking. And I find that the walking really calms my nervous system. It's so parasympathetic. We've taken the time, like I said, to layer ritual into walking with the um, observing nature and I spy. And with body, Brady and I have really connected and we've started doing couples yoga together. So that's another kind of body commitment that I would say that like energetically, but also physiologically muscle maintenance and wellness would, would be a positive lens that I want to take and maintain out of this and commit to going forward. Um, and then if I'm looking at nourishment, I think it would be really tightening up and getting closer to the dependence on our local CSA and our farmer market and, and also our ranchers. We've been doing, you know, such now limited trips to the grocery store. Now we're going like once every two weeks to the grocery store because we have all of our staples and we get a weekly farm share box. And, um, you know, for periods of time pre the great awakening, I'm going to keep calling it instead of COVID-19. I think that's just what I'm going to start calling it from now on. Um, Pre that, um, you know, we would sometimes have to skip our farm box because we'd be like, oh, we have three commitments this week. We're going to waste the produce, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Brady's big thing during this time as we were reflecting together and as putting together notes for this was he's like, I've realized that we make food better than a majority of restaurants. And I've realized that when we have the ability to take two hours to make dinner the event in our household, that it just feels like such a, such a cohesive end of the day and it just feels so connected and it's totally right like we now slow down to play a record while we prep food um and it's a different experience than the routine of eating totally and i'd agree that's something we've established as well as more time in the kitchen cooking together intentionally putting on what i call dinner music it's very distinct from byron's like rap <laughs> sometimes we'll play. Um, and then, you know, getting a little bit more creative with our meal prep, not just doing, you know, something for execution's sake, um, but making a fun sauce to go with something or right. a little bit of like a cheese plate appetizer while we're prepping and I'll have a glass of kombucha and he has a glass of wine and it makes it so much more fun. And I definitely want to hang on to that. And I think that's, you know, something here as you're considering writing down goals and, and seeing which ones kind of repeat or, or you want to revisit, um, or workshop if, if they're not happening and, and looking at routine and ritual that you've established as of now, or things that you're committing to and what you want to take away from this time, um, is really, really important. Most definitely. And and so if your goals are more specific based on, let's say, uh, like for, for weight loss oriented or for uh, uh, rebounding your adrenals or, or balancing your hormones and getting your period back, you know, you can use still the same mind, body nourishment. And maybe the nourishment is 
to get fat adapted and start to produce ketones. So then there's kind of these micro levels of, well, why can't I make ketones? Okay, let's think through, because that's like a body nourishment. You're both looking at the metabolic influence and the potential exploration of you know time-restricted eating or supplement intervention like the boost and burn or assessing if you're DHEA, you know, all the things we troubleshot a couple weeks back on our podcast. And then the nourishment goal might be, it might be, you know, quantitative. It might be macros in the beginning. And and that would be a reasonable entry point. But when you're trying to workshop why something isn't happening, especially when we're looking on this kind of behavioral element of that, you know, modifying in a immediate, as well as the environmental preventative changes, and then those long-term emotional changes, we need to kind of break down something we use in our, in our 12-week virtual ketosis class. It's called the chain of behavior process. And so we're looking at, based on our goals, um, you know, what didn't happen and why? What was the missing link or the broken link in the chain that interfered with the process? So you really have to kind of unpack that. And then when you're thinking of what are your goals, are you having repetitive goals? Like has your goal been to meditate for the last four and a half years? (laughs) Well, then you probably need to revamp your approach to it because just stating that isn't happening. So maybe you need to invest financially in a program that has a calendar and check-in for accountability. And because of the same thing, I hate to say it, but I just teed myself up in the keto world, right? So investing in a program that has a protocol that gives you the constructs, that walks you through a timestamp specific with all these micro goals entailing in it would be a good kind of leg up or an encompassing way to help you to surpass prior challenges and have community support in the process. If we're thinking of something as simple as feeding your kids healthier foods, right? I hear that time and time again from a lot of clients on Instagram and and, um, followers. Why are they rejecting the healthy food? You know, are, are you modeling them eating those healthy foods? Are you encouraging participation beyond, you know, just consumption? Are you incorporating them with the planning? Are you giving them those guided decisions? What's your energy towards it? Are you anxious and stressed out when you feed them and watching if they'll take that bite of that cucumber and they're like reading your vibes and they're like, whoa, lady, chill out. I don't want that stuff. Or, you know, are you like in a surrendered chill space of like, oh, do you think that's crunchy or soft? What do you, you know, and you're asking open-ended questions. So examine when you're seeing your goals not being accomplished, this, this, both the action steps of the behavior process. So like if the kid didn't eat that cucumber, the action step could be that you forcefully presented it and you didn't allow them a part of, you know, cutting or peeling or, um, a selection between carrot or cucumber in the first place. Um, and then also look kind of more macroscopically on, on how you present or approach the goal. Got it. And and when we're looking at a behavior chain beyond that habit formation, what are our biggest barriers you think? Well, I think you, like you stand in the way of your goals, every person, right? (laughs) Every person is their own biggest barrier. And it's either a limiting thought of, well, I really, even if you say I aspire to do a handstand in yoga and like deep down inside, you seriously are like, I don't think I'll really be able to do that (laughs) or whatever it is. Um, Whether you don't believe in yourself, whether you don't provide yourself the resource, the time commitment, um, or that opportunity, that's the big thing. So I think that to get past barriers of goals, it's really important that we do provide some level of a timestamp. You know, this can help us, especially if we're kind of creating micro goals within the macroscopic big picture, um, because we have something to check off um, and we have these short-term actions that we're accomplishing instead of just this vast 
you know, uh, exhaustive, scary goal. Um, but again, as I mentioned, some of the timestamping can trip you up, like with this concept of like a, you know, I hope that doesn't happen with our 10 day detox, but anything that's kind of dated and timed that it's over. And now what happens mm-hmm. on the following day? Um, I think if we emotionally focus on what we don't have versus what we have, this victim versus abundance mentality, that that's a huge barrier to change. Because if you feel woe is me or victimized by anything, you're putting yourself in a failure position to start. So you have to always find some way, even if you're in a shit situation, to feel empowered and some way to take a proactive stance and focus on the abundance element. And the other thing I really see is, is if we are in the process of these micro goals with this vision map and, and these checking off objectives, if we're shooting on ourselves along the process. So if we're dealing with the shame guilt train, <laughs> that's the kind of fourth element of, of barrier I see. And I, I love to say to people, don't shoot all over yourself. Um, and, and if I start a session with a client, I don't know if this has been happening with you and, and it's like, they're like, well, you know, it's been okay. It's been okay. But you know, my diet, I just, this and that, and I've been going for this and that. And I'll look at them and I'll say, okay, so this is not time for me to be the priest and us to be in a confession. This is not going to help us unless there's something that you feel physiologically occurred from one of those incidents that you want me to help you unpack. Um, but we can talk about navigating prevention of that happening again, or we can talk about visualizing where you want to go and how to make that happen. Yep. Not spending time spinning your wheels on what should have happened or what you should have done. Just finding the proactive steps to kind of get you out of that or have you make a different choice next time. For sure. Okay. And, and, you know, to be fair, beyond perspective and ritual and routine, there are some mechanisms when we're talking about, you know, food cravings that are responsible, such as dysbiosis, nutrient deficiency, and even metabolic Factors. So I want to unpack your top three recommendations from your recent piece that you just did on Mind Body Green. But let's first have a quick word from our sponsor, Wild Foods. Yes, uh, Wild Foods is a food company that puts quality, sustainability, and health first in all of their products. They have everything from coffee to turmeric to medicinal mushrooms, and every single product is painstakingly sourced from small farms around the globe. They take their mission seriously to fix the broken food system, something I'm super excited about, especially during these times. And they, just like us, believe that real food is medicine. Wild Foods has partnered with us to give you guys an exclusive discount just for listeners of the Naturally Nourished podcast. So use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout and you will get 12% off your order. Becky and I have been really enjoying playing with all of the things. And just last week I did on my Instagram TV, a feature with a tea latte. I was using their twilight black tea. It's fantastic. I was speaking on the benefits of polyphenols and tannins as supporting our interferon or our immune systems, basic chemical drivers, as well as the tannins playing an antiviral role in our body. And I combined that with lion's mane. Um, so they have awesome mushroom blends and tea blends, and then they have them numbered. So like they have tea blends one through 10, 
They have mushroom blends as well. So they have reishi. Um, they have, as I mentioned, I used the lion's mane in that one. And so lion's mane is an adaptogenic nootropic, which is very supportive for our neurological system. So I use that when we're talking about multi- multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's conditions. Um, we've seen also awesome research on lion's manes in the immune system when we're talking about combating pathogen and even foreign invaders when we're looking at tumor activity in cancer research. So I'm really excited to have a resource for you guys to share medicinal mushrooms because I think that they are a powerful player in a food as medicine plan. Um, you can go on over to whole to, excuse me, to wildfoods.co. That's not com wildfoods.co put in the code Allie Miller RD at checkout. You will get 12% off your order while you're over there. Grab their matcha, which I'm a huge fan of their cocotropic, which is a wild superfood elixir, which has reishi and chaga and maca powder and turmeric and cacao. Uh, check out all the things at wildfoods.co use Allie Miller RD to save at checkout. And I can't think of a better ritual to incorporate than a tea ritual inspired by maybe one of their really fun blends or their indulgent cocotropic tea would be a really great way. It's still a food, but it's for sure very supportive and and in the sense of the, you know, tea blends that would be non-caloric. Totally. Yeah. So we can see ourselves falling off of our goals, you know, based on metabolic and biochemical reasons. And I think they're important to address. And we'll do this in a a kind of short, compact mode, because we've done this in a couple other episodes, as I mentioned, especially that cravings one. But the first thing I think of, especially in a stressed environment or a high stress time is neurotransmitter and hormonal imbalance. So when we are under high stress, we burn through our landing gear, right? Or our inhibitory compounds. Um, what we have some episodes we'll link in the podcast notes on neurotransmitters. We have a two part series. So one was on inhibitory and one was on excitatory. And we'll link that if you want to geek out down that, down that road, but serotonin and GABA are our landing gear for our stress response, right? And dopamine is made by the adrenal glands. Dopamine is considered a, a, catecholamine or a stress responding neurotransmitter, but dopamine plays a huge role with reward seeking. It plays a huge role with bliss factor. When we think of food addiction or drug addiction, really addiction in general, we think of dopamine as a really important neurotransmitter to monitor. So when you're under a high stress state, you actually are going to be burning through serotonin, GABA, and dopamine at higher demands and you're going to be putting out more epinephrine or adrenaline. So I mentioned how that adrenaline then stimulates blood sugar release and stimulates your body to put out more cortisol, that stress responding um, steroid hormone, which can drive belly fat and more visceral fat and interfere with sexual hormone as well as sleep cycles. Um, But you also are going to be dealing with not only the blood sugar spike and crash, but the cravings, because if we have low levels of serotonin, GABA, and dopamine, we're kind of showing up empty and we're looking for something to quote unquote, fill that void. So I often, you know, call it the, like, I was a good girl. What do I get kind of thing? And I think that a lot of us are hardwired. And during this pandemic time, we've kind of wanted some of that like ritual of the, like, I made it through another day. Unfortunately, I believe it's become alcohol for a lot of people from what I'm hearing. Um, alcohol consumption's definitely gone up and that's because we're burned out. 
So something to get ahead of the neurotransmitter impact um, would definitely be like the Calm and Clear. Um, Calm and Clear would be the number one go-to, I would say, because it has cofactors that are going to help to drive your neurotransmitter production. It also has amino acids like L-theanine to help with modulating your brain chemistry. It actually pilots your neurotransmitters so that it can bring down that elevated epinephrine while supporting building up that serotonin GABA and dopamine. And then there's phosphatidylserine in the Calm and Clear, which blocks that excess cortisol. So Calm and Clear would definitely be a go-to to kind of harness that wild stallion that's driving the neurotransmitter imbalance. And then the other one I'd have to mention for sure is GABA Calm. <laughs> Becky's nodding her head. Uh, yeah. Um, GABA Calm, remember, is that chewable tablet that's more of like the immediate pulsed in at times of um, impulse control, which is very appropriate when we're talking about cravings, but also like this peripheral tangible anxiety that's like palpable. Um, so that can kind of take that edge off. Um, and I think of when we're dealing with low dopamine, if we're managing with the calm and clear and the GABA calm, increasing your protein intake in general, and you know, thinking of some of those tyrosine rich foods. So that's looking at things like seaweed or um, looking at our dark poultry. Those would be great ways to kind of ramp up your dopamine production so you're not ending the day depleted and needing that ugh, lift up out of the water. Totally. And what about um, speaking a little bit to micronutrient deficiency, um, which I know you alluded a little bit to that we might be depleted in some of those cofactors, but let's go there and, and speak to how that can drive cravings as well. Yeah. So the B vitamins get burned out during stress response. And, you know, that's why we'll see like the <laughs> B complex for energy and stress. Um, and it's totally true. You know, B vitamins are really required to help to activate our neurotransmitters. And then we think of minerals like magnesium and zinc. Um, and we think of vitamin C. Now, what's really interesting, if you think about it, is we've seen so much research on the benefits of zinc and vitamin C in this timestamp of immune need and support. And this is something where, you, again, you want to be proactive in your sense of why would you want to leave this period um, you know, depleted because likely if you're keyed up and under higher stress, you're likely compromising your stores of zinc and vitamin C. And we've seen in research, those that are clinically deficient tend to have a higher mortality and tend to have more prone towards hospitalization. And we're seeing that when those stores are optimized, especially if we're incorporating vitamin D in there, um, that, you know, there's less risk overall. Um, and we're seeing doctors using vitamin C in treatment. So there's definitely a connection of that vitamin C cortisol regulation, stress response, and the immune system. So this would definitely be a time to be proactive there. And I'm super excited to say we finally have bio C plus back in stock, you guys. Um, so that would be a go-to for micronutrient deficiency as a first layer. And what's cool about vitamin C is it also reduces your oxidative stress in the body. And so we see that when we're under an inflamed oxidized state in the brain, that that further compromises our neurotransmitter, um, our neurotransmitter basically conductivity or communication. And that that can then drive more cravings, brain fog, fatigue, and looking for that pick me up. So um, definitely check that out. And bio C plus, just a little cue on that. Definitely superior over just like a 500 milligram ascorbic acid tablet. The BioC Plus uses whole food forms of vitamin C, which also incorporates some of those um, 
polyphenols and antioxidants. And we're also going to be getting bioflavonoids. The bioflavonoids are what are uh, giving us the allergen response. Um, so we're talking about things like quercetin in there, which is also anti-inflammatory and further aids in reducing histamine in the body. And then a generalized multivitamin, I think like the multi-defense would be great. Mama, mama avail multi. If you are in the age where you're looking for, um, prenatal support and, um, the B complex might be worth layering in. If you aren't doing the calm and clear, otherwise you might be okay with that layered on cause that has those, those B vitamins. And then, you know, big picture, I mentioned protein is the, the first go-to for those amino acids, as far as the other micronutrient concern I would think of. Totally. And then last reason, um, on kind of a, a biochemical or biological, I guess, um, reason, um, candida or dysbiosis, where this is something, you know, that's going on internally, but may not be us per se, that's actually driving our cravings. Yeah, most definitely. And that's often when people say like it's out of body sugar cravings and I'll be like, okay, do you have any skin conditions? Um, do you have any bloating distension? Actually, wait, let me just message you a link to my candida dysbiosis quiz. And a lot of those people will see a pretty dynamic fail. Uh, and so the beat the bloat cleanse is a really great way to kind of plow the gut. It's a six week protocol. We've been talking about that most recently in the, um, end of February. And, um, that would be another good connection because not only is that a supplement strategy, but that does come with a six week diet protocol. So that allows you that structure to get back into routine. Totally. And, and having some form of a structure, whether it's tightening up with keto for a time stamped commitment, um, but not a time stamp that ends with a free for all is, is I think the distinction here, but a time stamp commitment of, you know, whether we're on lockdown for another two weeks or another six weeks, you know, depending on where you are, but, you know, committing to at least a six week period of keto or to doing our beat the bloat candida cleanse or heck maybe a 10 day detox just feels a little bit more approachable and you know a shorter time stamp of, of period right now um, but you know both harnessing in the diet and then getting back on with tight supplement support to kind of remove the beast or, or fill the void there if you will Yes. And I, I think that, you know, the most comprehensive, if possible for you, this go around would be the 12 week virtual ketosis class, because in that protocol, we dig deeper into things like biofilms and dysbiosis and candidiasis. We're also supporting you with food as medicine goals, all six classes. So we're giving you the information and the guidance on how to remove the beast, fill the void, <laughs> check all these boxes, right? Um, all in one program that provides that accountability and support. Totally. And, and chances are if you need a detox or if you need the beat the bloat cleanse, you will do it within the 12 week timestamp period of, of, uh, that program, because we talk about it a lot. Yeah. Or, or leave <laughs> yeah. the program with a solid confidence exactly. of how to hit it yeah. and do it. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing I think that we tried to provide that direct access so that we can help you troubleshoot along the way. And this not being our first rodeo, we've kind of seen it all. And so we cover a lot of roadblocks even before you likely, uh, have them. Okay. Yeah. Super excited to hit, um, all of that in our next upcoming program and support you guys along with Allie for this next round. Uh, before we get into 
supplements for establishing healthy habits. Let's just talk a little bit more about the recent article. I think you had a couple of good tips for reset for those who are new to a food as medicine lifestyle. Yes. You know, we never know of these 189 episodes where y'all are joining us from. This could be your first introduction to this space. So I broke things down in my article into balancing blood sugar levels, establishing an eating window and sticking to specified spaces, which I think is really important during this time. Some of us have started, like I said, not just working at the table, but now we're eating in our bed or on our couch or whatnot. And then the third area of focus was on powering up your phyto compounds and antioxidants, because I think we went kind of back on the survival eating, do things in cans, pantry food into, okay, get back on your produce train. So I just want to share some tangible, concrete goals. Um, You know, the importance of the blood sugar level regulation is of course because we want to get off of that um, roller coaster of the mountain and peaks and valleys of this dysregulation of glucose because that drives anxiety that drives more cravings that drives shakiness fatigue and ultimately weight gain and dysmetabolic syndrome so we do want to go from those peaks and valleys into more of a speed bump approach with our blood sugar control and that's at least low glycemic but if you're looking to get aggressive and see some true dynamic results. That's where I would go ketogenic. So the first goal I have on a lighter level would be to keep carbohydrates moderate to support optimal blood sugar metabolism, stay within a max of 45 grams of carbs per meal with a max of 75 to 90 grams a day. That would be as a low glycemic model. And then the secondary goal would be to pair carbohydrates every time you have them with a protein or a healthy fat so that you're blunting that glycemic spike. And this is super important again, because we've seen individuals that have elevated blood sugar levels to be two to three times more likely to deal with anxiety or depression. And then that low mood interferes with creating successful habits and and getting motivated in the first place. So super important there. Totally. And then, like you said, establishing an eating window and then spaces that are designated for eating. Um, I'm going to blame it on being pregnant, but I had (laughs) ice cream in bed the other night. (laughs) Byron's like, what are you doing? Like you never allow food in the bedroom because I'm always worried about like crumbs and grossness. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) So establishing both a food-free zone um, and an eating window, right? So you can play with teas to extend your fasting window to meet that minimum 10 to 12 hours without food. You know, earlier I mentioned how you might want to, don't want to maybe Maybe go deep into intermittent fasting if you're under chronic stress. But once you feel relaxed, you could explore further fasting. At this time, I'd say stick with a 10 to 12 hour fasting window, but definitely make sure you at least go that. You can't be waking up with breakfast and then eating until 11.30 p.m. and expect to have healthy metabolism. So definitely commit to that space. Maybe you use teas to extend your fasting window, and that'll also support your immune system, as I mentioned, with wild foods. And you know, determine areas in your home that are eating zones and try to eliminate the couch and the bed as, as being included in those because those are usually like low inhibition, um, usually distracted eating versus like mindful presence sitting at the table and really experiencing the intake, which we see in study after study that when your mind is present on your consumption, you get more satiety. You don't need a snack in your bed. No. <laughs> and then when you're increasing your antioxidants and packing in your produce, my big goals there would be to have two to three cups of leafy greens a day. That's going to give you that magnesium, that ultimate you know, chill nutrient, which 
I'm sure I'll get there. I'll stay here. And um, then I would aim within the produce to try to get a half to one cup of sulfur-containing vegetables to give you that cysteine and glutathione, the antioxidants that we really focus on to reduce oxidative stress as the kind of grandmama hierarchy antioxidants and also supportive of detoxification. And then the third produce goal would be ramping up your vitamin C status with things like berries and melons that are coming in season, citrus, and zesting your citrus for an added boost. So if you haven't thought of a goal of your own, you can just steal from one of Allie's yes. to, <laughs> to at least we'll get link you started. The piece. I'm sure yep. by the time the podcast goes, the article will be up. So totally. Definitely. Um, what about just a few more strategies that, that address kind of that mental, emotional nature of, of cravings and getting out of that kind of cheat mentality? I know we alluded to GABACOM, which is a great tool for sure for impulse control. What else can we do? So, yep, the other one I would repeat is the that regulation of the dopamine, serotonin, and epinephrine with the calm and clear. So kind of that overall stress responding balancing formula. But if we feel like we're low in that dopamine, that bliss center, we're just feeling kind of flat and burned out, you might want to go all the way into the adrenal support bundle. Um, we renamed it adrenal rebound bundle yes. actually is yep. the name of it. <laughs> the adrenal rebound, because we had them both a adrenal rehab program and then an adrenal rehab bundle. And it was getting confusing for us even. So it's adrenal rebound bundle, which incorporates adrenal support, which is the glandular tablets, um, that incorporates the bio C plus that I mentioned, and then the adaptogen boost. So adaptogenic herbs could be appropriate, whether you're stressed and wired or stressed and tired, they aid with stress resilience and tolerance, which will support a more regulated response from your adrenal glands. So you won't be pushing out as much cortisol or epinephrine in a fight or flight scenario. So, you know, the adrenal rebound bundle and calm and clear would be the biggest tools for that dopamine, the GABA calm choose for low GABA, of course. And then I mentioned B complex and the multi-defense or multi-avail mama. The last one I had mentioned that I think is important to note is the glutamine. Um, the glutamine is really a big player that we'd look at as an amino acid that has been shown to reduce sugar cravings and also aid in addictive behaviors in clinical research. Um, when we're looking at doses of two to three grams, which our GI lining support provides in one scoop. Um, so doing a scoop under the tongue at a midday transition, the quote unquote witching hour could be a good appropriate tool and connecting from episode 184. Remember that when you're stressed, your gut actually goes into breakdown mode. Um, it's a mechanism of survival. And so we actually see leaky gut driven from mental emotional stress alone. So doubling down on, like Becky said earlier, the collagen and gelatin could be a good strategy, but more strategically on the amino acid regulation level, we'd look at the um, GI lining support. Totally. And even for kind of recovering from quote unquote damage done, if we have been going way off the deep end and, and consuming gluten, which we know to be damaging to our gut lining or foods that are just driving digestive distress, that GI lining would be a great tool there as well. Yeah, and, and to kind of piggyback on that, I would say digestate, the enzyme formula that we have, it would be another thing to consider if you've been experiencing digestive stress. So if you're feeling physiologically like your gut just got rocked from this time of stress, you could do the digestive basics 
bundle in our line, which incorporates the GI lining support, Digest Aid, which is the enzyme you'd take prior to foods. Because remember, you only make a quarter of the amount of digestive enzymes when you're under a high stress time. Um, so you're getting those enzymes to help you to break down the foods and enhance nutrient absorption. And then that also comes with the Restore Baseline Probiotic, which is the probiotic we use in our probiotic challenge. So when you're looking to assess if you are in a sterilized state, which stress sterilizes the microbiome, um, you know, we can look at that. We can see if you are in a dysbiotic state or if you're in a symbiotic state and, you know, just that Restore Baseline works well for you, or if you have to go into the Beat the Blow Cleanse from dysbiosis or up to the targeted strength, which is four times the potency. Totally. And then beyond that, any other supplement strategy that you would throw in for kind of recovering from inflammatory eating? You know, I think that you can always incorporate any of the anti-inflammatory supporters. So whether you're choosing between like super turmeric, EPA, DHA extra, or cellular antiox, those would be like the the big three. And then, and then the inflammazine, Um, you know, you kind of just want to think through what are the other pieces of the puzzle. So if you're looking for hormone support um, and you know that you run low hormone or you're looking in the prenatal family, you'd for sure ensure that you're getting that EPA DHA extra. If you tend to deal with chronic inflammation or you know you have liver um, stagnation or concerns with past history of elevated liver enzymes, the super tumor could probably work better. And if you're dealing with more joint um, and tissue like myalgia type pain in the, in the musculature system or the, the ligaments, the inflammazine would likely be the best. So any of those three could be good entry points. And the cellular antiox would be one if you're dealing with more like of a fatigue and inflammation or, or respiratory function. And what I'm super stoked about is just at this point, oh my gosh, Becky, I just had the realization when you guys are listening to this podcast, the new revamped, revised Ali Miller RD website will be launched. So you'll get to kind of really learn and take a deeper dive in all of our formulas. As we mentioned uh, earlier, we will have tags um, on safety for breastfeeding, pregnancy, and kids. We will have a quiz to help you determine what is the best entry formulas for you to get started with. And we are just so excited for y'all to check it out. Remember that you can use the code Ally15 in your first order, which is 15% off your first order. And like I said, make sure you check out the bundles and um, products that are available. And all of our programs, eBooks, and books will also be migrated to that new site. It's the same URL. It's just going to have a total facelift. And then we'll have a new URL, naturallynourishedrd.com. And that is going to house the clinic. So if you want to become a patient, book an appointment, order a lab, lab, even if you're a non-patient, um, or what else is going to be on there? The blog and the podcast yep. episodes and podcast notes, all that will live over on naturally So that will not look different. It's just going to be a thinned out experience. And over time, we'll probably get a progressive facelift, but we're just trying to handle this first barrier. <laughs> Totally. Super excited to have that as a resource for you guys when this episode goes live, as well as all of the resources that we've provided within this episode. So hopefully something struck a chord, whether it's finding a new ritual for you and your family or committing to a program, or maybe just trying on a supplement like Gabacom to kind of take the edge off some of the mindless eating behavior that you've picked up. 
Yes. So I hope you all select the lens like we have of this being the great awakening and finding comfort in the slowdown and taking this time to do a little personal inventory of what you want to claim. What do you want to make best out of this opportunity? How can you manifest that? And I am so excited and looking forward to see so many of you in our 12-week virtual food as medicine ketosis program. Um, hopefully you will join us there and we'll have an even more intimate rock and roll experience of food as medicine. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.